days. Okay, I think we're ready to get into anger. Um, so what we're going to talk about is anger from a biblical perspective. Of course, all of this is from a biblical perspective. Um, but we want to look at a biblical view of anger. Um, and hopefully that's something that can keep you... Are we just coming out of lunch? Just coming out of lunch. Good. Okay, so am I. So hopefully you're drinking a caffeinated beverage or something like that, and we can uh, stick with it for two more sessions. Is anger a sin? That's the question. Some people think that all anger is a sin uh, and that it is a normative and justifiable response to the way that they have been treated. Uh, There's answers at either end of the spectrum that we're going to be looking at. Is anger a sin? Some people say uh, it's normal and justifiable. Uh, Other people believe that all anger is sin. So that's another that's another uh, response. So we have two different responses at either end, either end of the spectrum. Uh, anger is normal and justifiable. All anger, okay? One ditch, I think. And then the other ditch is all anger is sin. That's another response that people would have. Um, but a Christian is to be loving and peaceable so one does not get angry. But we have to remember that even a loving God gets angry, okay? We know that the Lord is angry with the wicked every day. Um, We know that uh, the Lord has a righteous indignation towards that which is unrighteous. Uh, We know that God uh, shows love and shows mercy and shows grace, but that he also shows wrath and he also shows justice. So this emotion or this response or this uh, position is not outside of the realm of possibility for the Lord to have uh, displayed towards his people. Um, Even a loving God gets angry. God demonstrates That anger, uh, God demonstrates anger in many different ways, and that is utterly the right, good, and appropriate, and loving response to sin. So when God demonstrates anger, we know that it is right. We know that it is appropriate. We know it's not an overreaction. We know it's not an overreach, because God is doing that, right? So God demonstrated anger is utterly the right, good, appropriate, and loving response to sin. But here's the question. Um, we're looking at what anger is, and if you remember when we uh, looked at the four rules of communication, we dealt with this a little bit last month. So take your copy of the scriptures and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I don't know if I mentioned this here, but something I've said often is uh, when it comes, if I was to take my Bible and just kind of haphazardly throw it, which I wouldn't recommend, um, but if I were to take my Bible and just haphazardly throw it, I wouldn't be surprised if it just plopped open to Ephesians chapter 4, because so much of life and particularly biblical counseling can be found in this particular chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Um, The need to speak the truth in love we see in Ephesians chapter 4. The put off, put on principles, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. The desire to equip people for the work of the ministry, also in Ephesians chapter 4. To build people up into Christ who is the head, also in Ephesians chapter 4. It's a pretty packed passage. And the four rules of communication are in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. And nothing says we just ate lunch like a pop quiz. So... Tell me, what are the four rules of communication? Uh, rule number, and it's an open book test, so it's Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Rule number one, be honest. Be, so this is what you're doing, okay? I know what you're doing. You're mumbling and listening. That's what you're doing. You're, you are, admit it. Mumbling, like, am I right? Am I off? What did they say? Be, be on, on, honest. Honest. Okay? Be honest. It's just fun. I'm just calling you out. Be honest, okay? So that's the first rule of communication, Ephesians 4, 25. Uh, What's the next rule? Right, stay current or keep current, right? Keep current. We don't want to let the sun go down on our wrath, nor give place to the devil. We looked at it last month and we said wrath is not limited to anger, but it's anything that's, it's our provocation, that which provokes us. We don't want to let the sun go down on that, okay? Be honest, keep current. Rule number three. Attack the problem, not the person. That's right. Attack the problem, not the person. Let's not make it personal and let's keep it focused on an issue or a sin or something that needs to be changed. But it's not the person, it's the issue. Attack the problem, not the person. And closely related to that, number four, act, thank you, act, don't react. That our knee-jerk response, that which comes naturally to us, that's that verse 31 Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those things are our knee-jerk reactions. They come naturally. I don't have to think about that. I think I'll blow up now. 
Yeah, here I go. Three, two, one. Nobody does that, right? It's a knee-jerk reaction. But verse 32 says what we're to put on. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ uh, forgave you. So when we're looking at what is anger, and we realize that even a loving God gets angry, we need to look at the definitions uh, that we have before us. So uh, the concise definition is that anger is an emotional and physical reaction to another's irritating behavior. Anger is an emotional and physical reaction to another's irritating behavior. An amplified definition would be anger is a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility caused by a real or perceived offense, injury, or unmet desire to oneself or others, usually accompanied by a desire to retaliate or seek revenge. Anger is natural to us. Anger is natural to us. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. Does God get angry? Yes. So therefore, we're going to feel on some level the same way God feels about things. The difference is we have the ability to use that in the wrong way. We have the, our feelings are tainted by sin, whereas God is holy. He's 100% pure. So when he's angry, we don't have to ever ask, is this an example of sinful anger, right? Because he is God, and if he's angry, it's worth getting angry about. But we're created in the image of God, and just like God has the capacity to be angry in a righteous way, we have the capacity to be angry in a righteous way by the Spirit's help, okay? We have the capacity to be angry in a righteous way. Not all anger is sin, because if you look at Ephesians 4, which I ask you to open to, uh, Ephesians four twenty six says what? Be angry and do not sin, or in your anger, do not sin. So God's not telling us to do something that is sinful. In fact, he separates the two. Be angry, but don't sin. Do this, don't do that. So in our anger, just because we're angry, it doesn't necessarily mean we're in the wrong. Just because someone is angry at something or responds in an angry way, that doesn't necessarily mean because you're angry, you are wrong. We're created in the image of God. Uh, Our sinful natures have the capacity to be angry, though, in a sinful way. We're created in God's image, but we certainly have the capacity to be angry in a sinful way. Nobody taught my son Silas how to climb on the table, stomp his feet, and be angry, probably wearing nothing but a diaper. Sarah didn't say that, but that's the kid's just routinely naked. And, And nobody taught him how to be angry. Nobody taught him how to throw a temper tantrum. Nobody taught him how to respond in the wrong way. Uh, Just in case you're wondering, that was not modeled to him, okay? I've never jumped on the table wearing nothing but a diaper, stomping my feet and being angry, okay? That's not modeled. That just comes natural to him. His anger is natural. We have the capacity to be angry in a righteous way by the Spirit's help, but anger comes from our hearts, okay? And Matthew 12, 34 an easy one to remember, in my opinion, because it's Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think we covered this when we were talking about uh, the four rules of communication. There's no real time where we really mean, I didn't mean that. What we mean is, I didn't mean to say that. We don't say things that we literally don't mean at all. On some level, right? We said it because we meant it. We might regret that we meant it. We might repent of meaning it. But when we say something that, oh, that just slipped out, that slipped out because it was in, right? It slipped. Well, I didn't mean to have that slip out, but it's in there, right? So our sinful natures have the, have the capacity to be angry in a sinful way. These things come natural to us. Anger is also learned by us. It's, it's modeled to us. Um, it's modeled to us from parents, it's modeled to us from siblings, spouses, teachers, friends, other family members. We have anger modeled to us. It's modeled to us in, on, on TV, it's modeled to us in movies, it's modeled to us in books. There's many, many, many things and people that shape our worldview and shape when it's good and bad or right and wrong to be angry. And the good and bad or right and wrong way to display our anger. Anger is modeled to us. So we have our sinful natures, and then we have anger modeling to us, and that could go either way, right? If it's being modeled in a godly way, that's great. If it's being modeled in an ungodly way, that's not so great. So while we are not solely products of our environment, 
We are in part products of our environment. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. I say coffee because I'm a product of my environment. Uh, you don't because you're not from a place that says coffee. But I also don't say please when I want somebody to repeat themselves. Perhaps you do because you're a product of your environment. And if you're not from this area, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Because that's a Cincinnati thing. People say please when they want them to repeat themselves. And when I first moved here, when someone said please, I went, uh, please? I thought I was being corrected because I didn't say please. This was really weird. I was at a drive-thru, and I put my order, and someone said please. And I literally, I went like this. Uh, please? <laughs> I, I, I didn't, Taco Bell. Did I just get corrected by the Taco Bell kid for being rude? What has happened? Burrito Supreme, bean burrito with no onions, nachos with an extra nacho cheese. Please? Please. That's what I did. I went like that. I went, please. I mean, I don't want to tick the guy off. He's alone back there with my food. So if you want me to say pl- pretty please, whatever you want. We are, at least in part, products of our environment, okay? They have an effect on us, things that we're used to. Remember, I said as parents before, what are we? We're defining what? This is not skiing. Does anybody remember? Normal. We're defining what's normal. So how we live, how we function, we just assume that's normal until we encounter Cincinnati. No, until we encounter another, until we encounter a place outside of what was normative to us. So anger is modeled to us. Probably many of you, in many ways, shape, or form, have had anger modeled to you that you thought was normal and then one day you realized was not. It could be that you had explosive anger modeled for you and then you realized that that's really hurtful, either because you were hurt by it or because you then took that elsewhere and you hurt someone else. Maybe you were modeled, maybe what was modeled before you was the clamming up, right? We suppress anger. Keep it in. Take it all in the chin. Maybe punch a pillow later. And you realize that 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 was hurtful as well, both to yourself and to other people. Anger is modeled to us. And maybe you came from a home where, by God's grace, you lived with sinners, of course, but you had anger modeled to you in a helpful way, and you knew how to handle this. Our counselees, we might see examples of unbiblical anger, and we want to help them. Anger is practiced and can become a habit or second nature. Not only is it modeled to us, but then it's practiced. Okay? It's practiced. We're going to get, this is a little bit getting into parenting, but telling Johnny to go to his room and take out his anger on his pillow is not cool. Johnny's not going to always have a pillow. You're not training Johnny to look to the pillow to take out his anger. You're training Johnny that when he's angry, he needs to punch something. And when the pillow's not nearby and a wife is, or if the pillow's not nearby and a friend is, or if the pillow's not nearby and something else is, the punch thing is not like, ah, oh, I would punch something right now, but I don't have my down pillow. A punch is going to be thrown. So anger is not only modeled, but it's also practiced. Now, I'm not saying there's not time to say, go cool down. I'm not saying that's not a cool thing. I think that's good. I think we should take time and then deal with things. I think we should do that on our own as well as for our kids. But anger, we want to be careful what we're teaching our kids and our counselees to practice because things are only new until they become old, right? Sounds like a Yogi Berra line, but it's true. Things Things are only new until they just become routine and old and normative. So it could be, oh, that's just a one time, that's just a one time thing. That's just a two time thing. That becomes a 12 time thing. And it becomes part of our character. Anger is practiced and can become uh, a habit. Now, most of our anger is sin. So while anger can be sinful and anger can be righteous, I want to say that most of our anger is sin. That's a confusing slide. Hold on, I'll move on to that in a minute. Most of our anger is sin. It can be right, it can be wrong, and I'm just telling you that most of our anger is wrong. Would, does, would you agree with that? Right? There's a chance, I mean, you, you're not necessarily sinning, I always say, you're not necessarily sinning when you're angry, you just probably are. You're not necessarily sinning, like all of a sudden, if you're, like, if, if you're committing adultery, you are in fact necessarily sinning. I don't need to hear any of the circumstances. Right? If, if, if you're worshiping something other than God, I don't really need to hear the circumstances. It's wrong. 
it's wrong. I care about the circumstances. But we can go into that and say, all right, well, just for starters, it's wrong. That's wrong. If you're angry, it may not be wrong, but it probably is. Probably wrong. Um, most of our anger is sin. Now, most people, and this is where we get to, most people think that anger is a normal and justifiable response to the way that they've been treated. But the Bible consistently warns against being angry. All right, there's constant warnings, and you have, uh, you have different, uh, different texts in there that you can, you can look at. We won't look at them now. But there's constant warnings against being angry. We covered one before. I think it's listed there, right? James chapter 1, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's a warning saying if you think that this thing is going to be used for, to accomplish something good, if you think that you're going to use this as a tool, be careful. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger can be a response to something, but if you're going to use anger as a tool to bring about righteousness, it's not going to work. And I told you, I wrestle with the yeah, but, right? That's one of my yeah, but areas where it's like, yeah, but this is different. Yeah, but this is different. People need to know. The Bible consistently warns against anger. When the Bible consistently warns against something, we need to realize that's repeated for a reason. There's danger nearby. There could be sin in the camp. It's not just this one-off thing where the Bible says, yeah, and that could be troublesome. It's constant, Old Testament and New. The Bible consistently warns against anger. And the Bible commands a different response to what most people think is normal and justifiable anger. Okay? A different response. Let's look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 43. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. The Bible commands a different response. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Does the Bible tell us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Please? Thank you. Does the Bible... So the Bible tells us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Okay. Does the Bible tell us to love our neighbors? Does the Bible tell us to love our enemies? Are people not in all of those categories? Can you name a person in your life who's not either a brother and sister in Christ, a neighbor, or an enemy? Everybody fits into one of those categories. Right? You have the brother and sister in Christ who's a fellow believer. You have the neighbor who's not a fellow believer but just a fellow person in life. And then you have an enemy, the person who's against you. Love, love, love. The Bible commands a different response. A different response from that which comes uh, perhaps naturally to us. Let's flip over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Okay? There's three sections to that verse. The third section says live peaceably with all. What if that verse just said that? If that verse just said, live peaceably with all, I got to go. <laughs> because I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, as far as it depends upon me, I might be peaceably with all. But I've got, I've got people to talk to. I've got things I've got to do. Live peaceably with all. Wouldn't that be a burden to bear if it was up to you to make sure that you are living peaceably with all? It's not up to the other person. It doesn't take two to tango. It's up to you to make sure that you're at peace with everyone. And if that person's not willing to, it's probably because you approached it wrong. So give it again. Give it another try. Give it another try. If possible implies what? Sometimes it's not possible. But lest we just give up, it's not possible. I can't be at peace with that person. It's not possible. Why is it possible? Because I haven't tried. What? If possible, comma, as much as depends upon you, that means I have a responsibility and you have a responsibility. So as much as depends upon me, 
live peaceably with all. But I've got to try. And then at some point, we, uh, in my opinion, we stop trying and we leave a welcome mat and the door unlocked. Do, do you get that? Do you get that word picture? At some point, we stop trying. What's that point? Dude, it's going to be different in every situation. And it's fairly subjective. But it's when you before God can rest at night knowing, I have tried. I've made myself available. I've tried reaching out. I've, whatever that looks like, we've gotten together. They don't return my call, or they do, and it's short. They always seem busy. I've tried. So I'm going to remain available to, to make this right with them. The, the minute they call, you commit and purpose in your mind to say, Lord, help me to be able to, I want to meet that call. Whenever, if they were to call, I want to be there. I want to do my best to I'll rearrange things. But if possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all. But the Bible calls us to peace. The Bible calls us to love. There's a different response that the Bible calls us to, and that is not necessarily anger. Uh, now, our tendency is to be, uh, is to be uh, sinfully angry. That's our tendency, okay? Um, our tendency is not to be angry in a way that is righteous, but to be angry in a way that is unrighteous, okay? So anger is sinful when it is motivated by self, when it's selfishly motivated, when God's goal in the matter is distorted, Okay, so it's not necessarily, I'm not angry because I think this is a glory of God issue. I'm angry because it's a me issue. Okay, or my favorite, that, which, that's sarcasm, not my favorite, is when I have a personal issue that I baptize. So now all of a sudden I've decided that my personal issue, my personal soapbox is a gospel issue. And then gospel becomes that kitchen junk drawer that just everything gets thrown into, right? Do you have a kitchen junk drawer? Right? It's got a corkscrew. It's got the, 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 the thick rubber bands that, go, that get wrapped around the, 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 the broccoli. Mom used to save those. They're really helpful for opening jars. It's true. Put it around the lid, and then it just helps you get a grip, and you can open jars. Anyway, that landed in the kitchen junk drawer. Uh, a book of matches, birthday candles. We had this kitchen junk drawer. Do you not have a kitchen junk drawer? Please tell me you have a kitchen junk drawer. Okay. Anybody do the broccoli rubber band thing? Yes. It's a cool thing. You'll think of me next time. You got to try this. Mom always saw it. I'll leave that. Don't bang the can. Just put the, yeah, it's helpful. We don't want the gospel to become that junk drawer. I'm angry over this because it's a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue if it has to do with people being saved from hell to heaven. If it impedes their understanding of the gospel and stops them from being saved, absolutely a gospel issue. But your latest political rant is like so not a gospel issue. It doesn't mean it's not important, just don't call it a gospel issue. Because that's our favorite thing to do as Christians, is to call everything salt and light. And it, not everything is salt and light. Sometimes it's just an issue. So our tendency is to be sinfully angry. Sometimes we baptize what we're angry about, and we say, no, 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 this is, this is really important. This is a God thing. God gets angry at all sin. Okay, I know. Calm down. We also have to remember that we ourselves are what? Sinners, Right? And when the, oh, I wish we could go into this. Uh, when, when in John, is it 8, the stoning of the adulterous woman? When the adulterous woman is caught in the act, picture that for a minute, caught in the act, okay? So somebody literally walks in on her doing what she's doing. She's caught, dragged to Jesus, wearing God only knows what, because I'm not assuming they're saying, we've caught you. Take some time, take a shower. That probably didn't happen. So dragged over to Jesus, and they say, what do you do? What do we do? What do we do? We caught her doing something. What do we do? What does Jesus do? Well, first he draws in the sand, remember? We don't know what he's writing. Then he stands up. I have an idea. First pitch, we're going to have that thrown by the person who's without sin. And then it says they drop their stones and walked away, the oldest first, because the older believers among us know, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. And the younger believers are like, come on, no, we can do it, no, I think he means something else. And the older one's like, dude, just come, he's, he's right. That's what that is. 
Hospike, Hospike, when are we gonna hit him? Spike, Hospike, remember that cartoon? And the older believers, no, <laughs> drops it. No, come on. But I thought maybe, just come on. Our tendency is to be sinfully, self-righteously, self-motivated in our anger. Sinful anger. When we allow anger to linger, okay, we, allow, we, don't, we don't take care of today's problems today. We allow it to linger and it builds up inside. We weren't, we weren't made we weren't made to have that linger. Is, is it really that much of a surprise? I'm not saying this is the case in every case. Please don't email me about this. That people who keep anger in and don't deal with it are literally physically ill. I don't think God created us to do that. I, I really don't. I'm not saying that's his punishment. I just, I just think he did not create us to operate in this, in this way. You know, anymore is it, you know, a punishment if I tie rocks to my feet and jump into, a, jump into the ocean and I drown. That's not God's punishment. He didn't create, he didn't give me gills. He didn't create us to, to operate in this way, to, to let anger linger. Anger is sinful when we attack the person instead of the problem. So I want to look at five ways to express anger, okay? And this is uh, one of the questions actually on the ACBC certification exam. So as I was going through my certification process, there's an examination that you take at the beginning, and we had to answer this uh, question. So this is here, cheat sheet, right? This is exactly what we'll be looking for if you go through that certification process. <clears throat> Some of them are good and pleasing to God, and others are uh, sinful. And the ways that are pleasing to God are also beneficial to us. Do you ever notice that? The things that please God also bless his people. It's not like, all right, this is going to please me, but it's going to really stink for you, but I'm going to get a kick out of it. Go on. That's not how God rolls. He, the things that please him are best for us. And while the manners uh, th- that are sinful, they will also be destructive to the personal relationship between me and someone else and me and God. Right? Remember Cain and Abel? Okay? Cain shows his anger toward God and takes it out on his brother. Right after he takes it out on his brother, the person who comes looking for him is who? God. What have you done? Where is your brother? How many of you feel like God knew where the brother was? Right? He calls it to his attention. Where's your brother? Wants him to have to answer that question. Maybe dead in the field? Do you realize that? Like, say that again slowly, Cain. So we have to realize that the ways that we express anger when they're sinful affect my relationship with God and my relationship with uh, other people. So there's three major categories of handling anger, okay? Uh, Ventilation, internalization, or righteousness. Ventilation, internalization, or righteousness. Ventilation is when we give vent to all our feelings, which the Bible calls foolish. A fool gives vent to anything that's on his mind. Just, here's what I think, it's coming out my mouth. Here's it's out of my mind, it's out my mouth. Okay, and they just give vent to their feelings. They just let it out. So they feel something and then just boom, they just let it out. They're angry about something, it comes into their minds, it's on their heart, they let it out. Okay, and this is uh, the explosive type of anger. Okay, kind of like a volcano that just erupts and they give vent to what is going on in their mind and in their hearts. Okay, And this is a major category of anger. This is where we get these outbursts of wrath that the Bible talks about. And it's sinful because it's not controlled. It's not controlled. Okay? A vent, if we were to rip the grating off of a vent in your home, what? We're not directing the air. We're not controlling how much of it comes out. It just just comes out. That's the picture. This is the person dealing with their anger in that way. It's just just letting it go. Just letting it go. No self-control, no fruit of the spirit of self-control. On the other side, the other ditch is clamming up, internalizing it. This is the slow burn, okay? This is someone who doesn't express their anger, but are they angry? Oh, they are so angry. They just don't express it in the same way as that guy. But in their heart, they've internalized it, they've clammed up, they've buried it. But it's what we call the slow, slow burn. 
So yesterday, uh, we made a fire. We have a little fire ring in the backyard, and we made a fire. That's when my son said he likes to talk folksy. So we made a fire, and uh, it's burning, and it's nice and big, and it's fun. And then later on, uh, as the logs, uh, the logs were uh, burnt up into ash, then there was just this glow, right? Just this glow, no big flames. The flames have just, they're just kind of gone, and there's these ashes. Are those ashes hot? Like maybe a little, right? They're actually hotter than the appearance of the flames before them, right? And now I can take a piece of wood and just kind of throw it on. I don't have to, it catches. It's those ashes. That's the internalization. It's quieter. You don't see it from afar. Like before, you would see the flames. Now it's just, you get up close, you're like, oh, wow, not a lot of smoke. Ooh, white hot. Angry. We have explosive anger. We have internalizing anger. And then we have righteous anger. Righteous anger. Now, something you need to realize, though, before we move into that, is under both ventilation and internalization, there's two ways of this method. Two ways of a sinful method. And it gives five distinct ways of uh, that Excuse me, it gives five distinct ways that anger may be handled. Okay, so there's two modes of ventilation, and both of these expressions are volcanic. They're explosive and sinful, okay, blowing up at the object of anger. Okay, but then there's also two modes of internalization. Okay, two modes of internalization common among Christians who are under the misconception that anger is wrong. But remember, that's that, that's that coal bed, that's that ash heap that's just really, really, really low, but it is hot. It is hot and full of anger. They clam up. Um, righteous anger uh, is when the intense, uh, immense emotional anger is, is directed toward the problem or the solution in a manner that is pleasing to God. Righteous anger is when the, that, that intense emotion is directed towards, towards a goal. We're going to solve a problem. We're going we're gonna to do something to make sure this happens never again or very seldomly. This is what we're going to do with this emotion that we have. We're going to produce a righteous fruit as a result of it. So it's not all about me making you understand how I feel. It's not all about me holding it in because I don't want to deal with you. Instead, it's me taking the way that I feel and using it for something God-honoring, goal-oriented, and solution driven. That's righteous anger. That's what God does with his anger. God's never angry like just because. God never wakes up in a bad mood. God actually never wakes up because he never sleeps. God's never just just in a bad mood and it's just like, oh, just, yeah, he's just in a, there's no real reason. He's just, he's just cranky today. There's a reason. A line's been crossed. Righteousness has been, has been violated. There's a reason. And God uses his anger for his own glory and for our good. So, uh, I think it's there in your outline. A husband that, for example, a husband that has just learned that his wife has been having an affair will be angry. I don't think you needed your outline to tell you that. But, but that, that is, this is the example. He has a choice as to how he expresses uh, sinful or righteous anger. How will he use his emotional energy, uh, the emotional energy created by the anger? So there's a, a sinful example uh, that even though he's emotionally and physically exhausted, he could use the energy from the anger to go shopping for a gun to kill his wife's lover, right? <laughs> the, uh, the vigilante justice, the, the taking matters into his own hands. When he says, vengeance is mine uh, personally, not that it's the Lord's. The Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And that's usually when somebody says, yeah, but you may not repay in my timetable. Or if I let you repay, it might be in hell and I won't get the joy of seeing that. So I want to repay. I'm going to take vengeance into my own hands. And the person takes unrighteous anger and goes and deals with that situation. A righteous example of that, when the husband has been wronged, he could use the energy to make uh, questions into finding a, a biblical solution, a biblical counselor to say, how do we, how do we resolve this? How do, you help, how do we resolve this in a marriage? And also, how do you help me work through this so I don't go out and kill this person, which is what I want to do? Help me work through this. Three helpful words. Help me understand. Help me understand myself. Help me understand this sin. Help me understand what has been done to me. And then help me understand in the light of the gospel, in light of the fact that I'm a sinner, how do I respond to this situation? Help me understand.
stand. One choice is dreadfully sinful, but acted out every day. And the other choice is pleasing to God and will be blessed by Him. So there's some suggested steps to help ourselves and others put off sinful anger by the Spirit's help. Um, Turn to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Friends, you need to realize, and we need to remember, that the transformation that we want to see take place in the lives of the people we counsel, of the children we raise of the family members we interact with, that transformation can't be done by us. You say, yeah, I know that. But it also can't be done by them. It has to be God working through them. That what you're engaging with here is not just trying to convince the other person, not just trying to win them over to God's side, but that the Spirit would be working in their hearts and in their minds. It is a deeply spiritual thing. Since it's such a deeply spiritual thing, this transformation that we're talking about, what do you think that would drive us to do as biblical counselors? Since it's not just about me having the right answer, it's not just about me being able to talk to them, it's not just about me listening well, but really I could do all those things, but at the end of the day, I need the Holy Spirit to move. How does that affect my view of life, but particularly of counseling, of helping somebody else? Cindy. Our what? Our dependency on God. So we're not independent. We're not, I took the CDT fundamentals. I can now change people. We're unbelievably dependent upon the Lord. Since we're dependent upon the Lord for these things, how does that change? So, therefore, um, let's come up with I will statements. Okay, so, since we are dependent upon the Lord, I will what? Finish the sentence. Since I'm dependent upon the Lord as a counselor, I will what? I will pray. Since I'm dependent upon the Lord, I will read. Since I'm dependent upon the Lord, I will trust. I will, what's that? I will listen. Because God's going to show me things through what I hear. Right? Since I'm dependent upon the Lord, I look at this completely differently from someone who is credentialed and ready to go. Got my training. Kind of a big deal. That's not how we counsel biblically. So these are suggested, suggested steps you'll see in your outline Um, To help others and ourselves put off sinful anger uh, by the Spirit's help. So we work on two aspects of of our being. Our attitude, um, that God is looking at the heart, uh, that we are what we think. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Okay, so as a man thinks, so is he. The way that I think about something uh, is deeply connected to who I am. That's why I said before, when we say something, we never really don't mean it. We just didn't mean to say it. So the way that I think about something deeply impacts and affects who I am. And we know that God looks at the heart. And while actions aren't our sole focus, we do care about behavior. We do want to see actions change. We want to see people living lives that are pleasing to God. And we don't want to just change a person's actions, but we want to see the fruit of change. So we want to recognize that most of our anger is sinful. We need the counselee to recognize that when they're angry, there's probably... Probably an element of sin. Probably. So usually there's something to be repented of, something to be changed, something to be confessed. Um, we want to identify idolatrous thinking and desires. Are you angry because you didn't get what you wanted? Even if you're angry at the way that, so we're back to a parenting situation. Even if you're angry at the way your child has responded to that situation, 
Are you angry because God is not being glorified and pleased, or are you just angry because you expected better from your kid? And you're just angry because you're ticked because you raised them to respond in a different way, and they're bringing you down. Real fine line. Real fine line. Ident- We're going to look for idols of the heart and try to talk to this person. Try to talk to this person. So in that example that's given in your outline of a, a husband who just found out that his wife has been unfaithful, even in that situation, which sound, you're like, this guy gets a get-out-of-jail-free card for pretty much whatever he wants to do. This is a really big deal. The, the Bible doesn't say that. He needs to please the Lord even then and understand that there's the potential for a root of bitterness or anger to develop in this situation that seems like it's justifiable, but in reality, you're angry because you've been crossed. You're not angry because God's been crossed. You're angry because you thought this would never happen to me. You're angry because you didn't see this coming. You're angry at God. And getting them to understand, okay, let's first just hold back. Let's have a big picture view. Is there an idol here? Yeah, I never thought my marriage would be this way. Okay. That's totally and completely understandable. I feel like I got the short end of the stick. That's totally and completely understandable as well. Also sin. And totally and completely understandable. We got a raw deal. Okay, so you, so we're, we're thinking of these things. We're listening, right? We're not blowing the whistle, calling the foul. We're listening, listening and realizing, okay, so at root here is not just that it happened and that you're so hurt, but you're also ticked because you thought this would never happen to a LaRufa. This would never happen to a Smith. This would never happen to a Jones. So you thought you were above, above this. And we talk about those things. What about her? She did it. To which I will speak to her about. But for you, I want you to please the Lord starting now. I want you to please the Lord starting yesterday. That's our goal with counseling. How can you please God? It's not here am I, change her. Here am I, send him. It's here am I, Lord, change me. So I want to identify idolatrous uh, thinking and desires. Um, You want to confess your sins to God and to others. Confess means to say the same thing that God says, that your anger is sin. So we call sin, sin. And we think, who has my sin affected? Who has my sin affected? Who do I need to confess to and say, I've sinned. I've sinned in this way. Uh, It doesn't simply mean that you're sorry. Um, Apology comes out of the word apologia. Do you know what that means? To give a reason. You can apologize and not own it. You can apologize and not confess sin. I'm really sorry that I responded in that way um, to your sin. (laughs) Brian, it's like, wait a minute, that sounds a little backhanded. I'm really sorry that uh, your way of speaking to me caused me to be upset. That's not owning it. That's not just being wrong. That's, uh, that's a backhanded confession. You're right, I was really wrong when I spoke to you in response to your sin that way. I really should stop that, shouldn't I? Wait a minute. <laughs> what? That's not, that's not confession. Confession is, I am wrong. Luke 15, the lost son comes home. Father, I've sinned against what? Heaven and against you. It's not I've sinned against heaven and against you because you neglected me for so long and I'm really such a, 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 a sad child and your parenting could have been better, but I did sin and I'm sorry. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He's in the pig pen. He comes to his senses. He has a change of heart. He comes home. The father comes running to him. And the first thing he says is, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against heaven and against you. There's no, there's no reasons given. I'm just wrong. I'm just wrong. So I tell counselees, when you're wrong, just be wrong. So, wow, whole conference just to hear that. Yeah, well, it is what it is. When you're wrong, just be wrong. There's no circum- if what you did was wrong and there's another contributing circumstance, that might be a contributing circumstance. It's not going to change the fact that what you did was wrong. You're still, you're, you're still wrong. So you responded, so in this situation, this man finds out that his wife has been cheating on him, and his response is to backhand her. 
Do you understand why he responded that way? Yes or no? Yeah. Is he wrong? Yeah. If you're wrong, just be wrong. Just be wrong. It's never going to, and the minute, there's a sweet moment, and maybe you can relate to this. There's a sweet moment, a sweet moment, where you know what you just did was wrong, or there's what you said, or uh, something you did, or a way that you acted, or how you responded, and you're like, oh, shoot, that was wrong. Oh, shoot, that was wrong. Oh, man, that was wrong. Oh, shoot, I did it again. And you could choose to do this. Acknowledge it, or you can do this. Ah. Right? Like a little bug. Ah. Whatever, I'll deal with that later. She's wronger. <laughs> she, she's, what she did brought that out of me. So you have that little moment where it's like the Holy Spirit responding to you and saying, wrong that was wrong and you go "Ah, later when you're wrong just be wrong i would encourage you to encourage your counselees and would encourage you in your own life the minute you know you're wrong even if it's awkward just say stop 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 my bad i just when i said that i was i was sarcastic and hurtful i was harsh i was impatient I interrupted you because I thought I knew what you, whatever it is. The minute you know you were wrong, don't brush it aside and see if she notices and only talk about it if she brings it up. Sweet, I got away with that. You didn't get away with anything. God probably noticed that, like, all the time. So if you know you have the opportunity to confess, God's brought it to your attention, that means you've caught yourself, that's a sweet thing. Do something with it. Be wrong. When you're wrong, just be wrong. Be wrong. Get good at being wrong. You're going to be wrong a lot. Life's kind of like baseball in many ways. Any baseball fans in the room? Good, all four of us. Someone with a 325 batting average, is that good or bad? That's really good. That means they don't get on base about 65% of the time. Baseball's a lot like life. Whereas you go through life, there's, you're learning from a lot of mistakes, and in some way, shape, or form, there's kind of more disappointments on this side of heaven than there is things to celebrate. Get used to being wrong and be wrong in a good way. We're going to be wrong. Let's get good at being wrong, not be wrong over the same things, but get good at confessing, repenting, and dealing with it so that we can move on. Get good at being wrong because it's going to happen. So we confess our sins We ask God and the appropriate persons for forgiveness of our sins, and we're specific. We're specific. Um, We accept by faith the forgiveness of God, remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, remembering the gospel, remembering the truth of what he did at Calvary, and that God, the Son, absorbed the wrath of God the Father on my behalf. We act forgiven. We act forgiven. When someone says that I've been forgiven, I don't still then drag my head. I I may want to, but if I drag my head, if I drag my, do you drag your head? You can't drag your head. Hang my head, hang my head. How do you drag your, I just said it three times, it never made, okay. Drag my feet, kind of hang my head. What does that, what does that mean? Sarah and I have an altercation, I confess to her, and I I realize my wrongdoing, she forgives me, and I still carry it with me. What does that really mean? What is it? Self what? Selfish? Yeah. There's an element of selfishness there. Her forgiveness is not enough to lift my head. It's almost like I'm not accepting her forgiveness. and like, hey, I know you've forgiven me, but I will give my own penance and I will walk around. That's not fair. I've been blessed with a wife who forgave me. Let's move on and grow. I act forgiven. And it's the same thing. It's very selfish to have a spirit of condemnation before the Lord. Okay? Someone who's arrogant is boasting in who they are, right? They're boasting about themselves. Someone who's just condemning themselves and just hanging their head all the time is, is very down about themselves. What's the common denominator between both of those people? Themselves. Okay, one's looking at themselves thinking big of themselves. The other, the other one is looking at themselves thinking little of themselves. Both of them are looking at themselves. Both of them are not looking to the Lord. We need to act forgiven. We take sin seriously. We repent. We grow. And we act forgiven because that's who we are. We pray for God's help in turning from sinful, (coughs) excuse me, in turning from sinful anger to righteousness. We would determine with God's help uh, 
to repent of our sin. We're going to make a plan to make sure that we don't do these things again. We're going to, as best as possible, make sure that we repent of our sinful ways. Develop a specific plan to replace sinful anger with godly motives. So recently there was something that came up and um, I noticed, I I told Sarah, I think I've done that again. It was a way in which I communicated. And I also let her know, you know what? That's probably the third time lately that the Lord has brought this to my mind. So (laughs) I said this. I don't know if this is good. I said, the good news is it's not just you. I mean, I don't do this. I, I sin consistently. I mean, give me, God, give me a little credit. So, so it's not just, I'm not just doing this towards you, but something happened at work and there was something happened with someone else and I'm seeing this pattern in my life. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to talk to someone about this. And I'm going to ask them for ways that I can be helped and they can help keep me accountable. So there's a plan. Does that make sense? But it was kind of funny. I was like, the good news is it's not just you. She was not cheered up by that, but still... At least it wasn't, it wasn't just one little quick uh, one-and-done thing. But I said, there's a plan. There's a pattern, and I'm going to work on it. Develop a specific plan. And a summary of how to put on righteous anger. See God in the midst of the trial. See God in the midst of the trial. Okay. Uh, how many people were thrown into the fiery furnace? Three. How many people were seen in the fiery furnace? Four, right? God uh, brings you to it. He'll bring you through it. God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. If God is content to bring you to something, he will bring you through something. And will bring you through smelling, uh, not smelling even like the smoke of the trial. We need to see God in the midst of the trial, not thinking he's going to find us at the end. i got to get out of this trial so I can see God. God is right there with us in the trial. We need to make room for the wrath of God. Okay? We need to not play God. Let God be God. Okay, let God be true. Let God be the one who deals with it, not ourselves. We need to use the energy, uh, excuse me, we need to return good for evil, not evil for evil. We need to use the energy generated by the anger to work toward solving the problem, not just venting our feelings. And we need to act to solve your part of the problem and not just react to how we feel immediately. Immediately. 